Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Good morning, everybody. So I love second service because you guys have had quite the, the time to wake up, so you're so responsive. It's amazing. Um, my name is Megan. For those of you who might be with us for the first time, my husband Carrie and I are the pastors here at the Movement Church, and I know some of you are staring and going, well, where is Pastor Carrie? And he's not here today. He actually is speaking for um, some friends of ours down in San Diego. Uh, They needed somebody to come and fill in today, and he said, I'm your guy, and drove down there this morning, and so I get to be here with you as we kick off a brand new series, and I'm really excited about it, because I think that it holds some keys that every single one of us needs. But before I dive into the message today, I just need really quickly, by a show of hands, if you are a female in this room, and hopefully we're going to get the lights up so I can actually see you, if you're a female in this room, I just need you to raise your hands. Everybody, if you are a girl, all right, I see some girls not raising your hands. I know you might be confused, okay, but if you're a girl, all right, put your hands up. Okay, so listen, if you are a woman in this room, I am begging you, you do not want to miss our She Collective Night, and we are less than two weeks away from the She Collective Night. It's called Dream Big Babe, and I'm telling you, that was like a weak woohoo from some of you, but thank you for those of you who did woohoo. Hey, listen, you don't want to miss this. We are going to have a great time. If you've never been to one of our She Collective Nights, I'm telling you, don't don't be nervous. Just come and hang out with us. It's a group of women like you have never hung out with before, because we are for one another, not against one another. We are all about enjoying friendship, but also pursuing what God has for us. So I'm hoping that you'll go ahead, and I see all of you doing it right now, and text the word she to the number that's on the screen. It's up at the top right there. You're moving so fast, people. Text the word she to the number on the screen, and it's going to send you all the information you need about the location. The pre-party starts at 6.30. There are surprises at the pre-party that you do not want to miss. I'm telling you, there's some random nonsense that you are going to want to be there for. And we're going to have a great time. My good friend Noemi Chavez is going to be teaching that night. And we have some presents that you're going to want to take home with you. There's no cost, so there's no excuse. Mark your calendars, Friday, June 2nd, 6.30 p.m. I am hoping and planning to see every one of your gorgeous faces there. And we're going to have a good time together, okay? Y'all with me? Okay, there, second service. I'm telling you. Good, good job. Hey, we're kicking off a brand new series today that I'm super excited about. And before we dive into it, I just thought I'd take a moment and pray for us. Because one of the things that we get to do during a time of worship is we take our attention off all that's going on in our world, and we fix our attention on who Jesus is. I love what Shana said, challenging us in worship, that no matter the circumstance, no matter what we might be facing or walking through, the name of Jesus is greater than anything that you might be up against today. But I love that we get to come to church and and find the peace that is found in the presence of God. And so we sang during that time of worship and we fixed our attention on who God is and now we're going to go into a time where we hear the word that is taught. And the goal is here to say, God, what do you want to speak to me today? So regardless of your faith background, regardless of how you walked in today, and maybe you're here today and you're like, I'm not sure I believe. And that's okay. Permission to belong before you believe. But could we all just take a moment and just say, God, what might you want to say to me today? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord Jesus, I come before you right now. God, I thank you for what you're doing in this room. God, I thank you for every person who's here. God, I know it's not by accident that anyone walked through the doors of this church today. So God, I ask that you would speak to each and every one of us individually. God, that you would help us know exactly what areas of our life, God, that you want to see tweaked or changed. God, that you would help us encounter your presence and your peace in overwhelming circumstances. And God, that when we leave today, we would leave changed. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. That's just a fancy word for I agree, right? So hey, we're jumping into this series, and it's called Gear Up. 
Get, like, like the, the army guy, guy back there. He just looks tough. So I need you to help me out a little bit. If you're an introvert in the room, don't hate me, okay? But I need you to help me out. I need you with your best, most manly, like most deep and firm voice just to look at your neighbor and say, gear up. That was so much better than first service. Like I can't even tell you. That was awesome. Hey, the whole idea of this series that we're starting is that we are facing a battle. Every single one of us is facing a battle, but we are equipped for the battle. And so what we're going to be breaking down in the next few weeks is how you and I, as Christ followers, can gear up in the gear that God planned in advance for us to go into the battles and to come out victorious. So I'm hoping that you're going to take notes. Now, we say this all the time, and then we stare at you, and you stare at us, and it's awesome. Love it, but you should really pull out your phone and text the word notes to the number that's on the screen, or some of you are old school, and I get it. It's all right. Pull out the vintage notebook and the pen. That's awesome. That'll work. But you're going to want to take notes during this series because we're going to give you some practical things that if you take away and apply to your life, they're going to help you become stronger in the battles that you face, right? So take some notes today. I'm telling you, you're not going to want to miss it. We're going to start in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 11 through 13. And this is what the whole series is based on, all right? And the scripture says this, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the spiritual it gets the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And then it says this, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, stand firm. That's an intense scripture, right? It kind of gives us this huge picture of what's going on. And the thing I need you to understand today in order to apply the truth of this message is we have got to understand we are in a battle. Every single one of us in this room, we are in a battle. It's real. Now, I know we read those big words in the scripture, and it says we battle not against flesh and blood. That's just talking about, like, what you can see, right? It, but it says against the principalities and the darkness of this world, and sometimes we like to pretend that that's not real. But all it's saying is just as much as you, I can see you, there's some things going on under the surface that I cannot see. We are in a spiritual battle. And when the author who wrote the book of Ephesians, his name was Paul, when he wrote this book, he actually used a word that I think it's important for us to understand. When he said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, he used that word wrestle, or in some translations it says struggle. But the original word, when you trace it back to when Paul actually wrote it with his own hands, the original word he used is the word palais which means a contest or a fight between two opponents waged in close hand-to-hand -hand combat with the goal of pinning down and defeating one's rival. So listen, what Paul is saying here is he's saying, you're in a battle, and you're in a battle with a real enemy whose goal is to get up close and personal and get you pinned down so that you cannot pursue the promises that God has for you. You are in a real battle. We've got to understand that just as much as there is a real God who loves us, just as much as there's a real God who loves us, there's a real enemy who wants to keep you from the plans and purposes of God. We've just got to begin to understand that. The battle is real. And even though you might feel like the battle is happening in your home, on the battlefield of your home, or maybe for some of you in the battlefield of your bedroom, or maybe for some of you in the battlefield of your office or your place of employment or on the, the school that you attend, you might feel like that's where the battle is happening. But I've got to tell you that what you see that is up against you is not the real battle. There is a real opponent, the enemy, the devil, who is out to destroy the plans and purposes for your life. The enemy is real. And in this room... I, I know that the pendulum can swing two ways. One side of the pendulum might be that you go, I don't really know if I believe that. And that's okay. Again, permission to belong before you believe. I don't really know if I believe on all this devil stuff. 
that there's a real devil. And I'm just telling you that there's a real God in heaven who loves you and has good plans for you. And there's a real enemy who wants to keep you from those plans. But the other side of the pendulum in this room might swing all the way over here where we think that there's devils in every situation that we face. Anytime someone coughs the wrong way, it's the devil, right? So we can over-spiritualize things sometimes too much in the church, and there's got to be a balance of the two. You know, I think it's important to understand that we're facing a real enemy, but the, the enemy that we're facing doesn't cause every single circumstance. He doesn't have the power to do that. But sometimes we find ourselves in situations that the enemy likes to take advantage of. How many of you, when you were younger, ever took advantage of your parents in a weak moment when maybe they were fighting with one another and you knew like this is the moment if I ask them to go out with my friends they're just going to wave me off because they're in the middle of an argument and so you just kind of crept in in the middle of the fight and said hey can I go with my friends and they're like just get go right anybody take advantage of your parents like that okay or maybe it was a different circumstance maybe they were just having a great day and you knew like this is the day to ask them for that thing that I've been wanting listen the enemy is very strategic he knows how to take advantage of every circumstance that you find yourself in. It doesn't mean that every circumstance is created by the devil. It just means that he knows how to play upon and take advantage of those situations. This morning, my daughter, Avery, woke up, and she can hear me because she's back there laying down, but she woke up with a really sore neck, like she's got a swollen muscle in the back of her neck. And apparently at the pool yesterday, she fell off an inner tube and hit her neck on a, a metal pole. I didn't know this, or I would have done more yesterday. But this morning, she woke up, and her neck was swollen and just really hurting. She couldn't go back to sleep. She crawled into my bed, and, and I was like, babe, I'm so sorry that your neck hurts. And she just all of a sudden shared with me this deep fear. She was crying a little bit, and she said, I'm just so scared that I'm not going to be okay. And I thought, well, that's terrible. That's just fear. Of course you're going to be okay. You've got a sore muscle in the back of your neck. But she had this fear that crept in that paralyzed her little heart that told her, you're not going to make it through this. You're not going to be okay. And that is how the enemy capitalizes on the situations that we walk through, right? Because fear is not from God. Fear is from the enemy. And so this morning, even with my little eight-year-old, the enemy tried to take advantage of a situation and bring fear into her little heart. Do you understand what I'm saying? So not everything is the devil, but we got to understand that we have a real enemy. And he actually wants to sidetrack us from the purpose of God and keep us from what God has for us. I want everybody in this room just to do a little fun exercise with me for just a minute, okay? So I'm going to go ahead and have you close your eyes. It's just going to keep you from being distracted. All right. I want you to think of the name of the most difficult person or the most pressing problem or the most difficult circumstance that you're walking through right now. Everybody got it? All right, open your eyes and look at me. Every one of you either thought of someone or something. I want you to hear me. That's not the real problem. It's not the real problem. Now, I know you think it is. And I know that is almost a little bit frustrating because you're like, yes, if you knew what that person did to me, you would understand that is the real problem. Or if you knew the heartache that I'm walking through, you would understand that's the real problem. I'm just telling you, it's not the real problem. Everything that occurs in the visible and physical world is directly connected to a wrestling match that is happening in the invisible spiritual world. Because the Bible says the enemy roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. It also says that the, the goal of the enemy is to kill, steal, and destroy. To kill your dreams, to destroy your relationships, to steal your purpose. That's the goal of the enemy. So he's roaming around like a roaring, vicious lion, lion seeking whom he can pin down and destroy, right? So as much as you might feel like it's a person in your life that you're struggling in a relationship with, or an overwhelming circumstance, or something that you're walking through, the greatest problem, listen, that thing may be real, but that's not the real enemy. The real enemy is the devil who's going, I'm going to use this situation to my advantage here. He wants you to ignore the spiritual reality behind the physical one. Because listen, as long as we're focused on what we can see with our own eyes, the more the enemy can run rampant under the surface. Listen. Your marriage is not the real enemy. Your finances are not the real enemy. Your friends are not the real enemy. Your diagnosis is not the real enemy. 
We are in a spiritual battle, you guys. A real spiritual battle that is threatening to cripple us in the areas of our life where doing so would bring the most defame to God and hinder his church. But sometimes we just get our eyes on the wrong thing. But I'm telling you, you can see the effects of this war that is happening in the unseen when you look at your life and you see areas maybe of strained and damaged relationships, maybe of emotional instability, maybe mental fatigue, or just physical exhaustion. And there's a lot of us in this room that if we were honest, we could identify with feeling pinned down by the enemy in areas of anger or unforgiveness, maybe an area of pride, comparison or insecurity, fear. It's quiet in this room, but I think that's because every one of us can identify how the enemy has tried to come at us and rob us of joy and purpose and significance by speaking these little lies that make us feel fear and discouragement and overwhelmed and tired. Listen, there's a real devil, you guys. And you need to know that he has positioned every demon in hell to come after you and either distort your view of God or distract you from him. There's a real enemy. We are in a real battle. In fact, the name Satan actually means adversary. He's the adversary to God. And he is, he is all about being antagonistic to the plans of God. The, the word devil, that's what most of us would know. It means slanderous. See, the, the enemy's objective is to malign the character and intentions of God and others. He'll whisper these lies to diminish your confidence in God and cause you to mistrust his direction. And every one of us can identify with that. But let me tell you, there's hope. There's hope. You are not defenseless. In fact, the book of Psalms, verse, chapter 18, verse 39, tells us, and I don't have this for the scripture, so you can write this down if you want to. It tells us, you are equipped with strength for the battle. You are equipped with strength for the battle. In fact, turn to somebody next to you and say, you're equipped. I just got to make sure you're still with me this morning. You're equipped. You're equipped with strength for this battle that you find yourself in. God has got you covered. You are not defenseless. We don't get overwhelmed by the situations that we're facing. We don't need to feel overwhelmed because we're going, oh my goodness, I'm in a battle. No, we don't need to feel overwhelmed because Jesus is on your side and you have the ability to be victorious. God has set you up with some gear so that you know how to be ready and fight the battle. You're equipped with strength for the battle. So listen, we don't get discouraged as those who have no hope. No, we press forward because we go, okay, we've got this. God is on our side. But we're not ever going to prepare to fight if we don't recognize that this is a real and spiritual battle, right? There's a scripture that I love in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 6, verse 15 through 17. And as the scripture is about to unpack, there's this king who is angry. He's very angry, and he is like, he is ready to wage war on the nation of Israel. And so we find a situation between a prophet named Elisha and his servant. And it starts in verse 15, and it says this. Early the next morning, Elisha's servant got up and went out of the house. And he saw the Syrian troops with their horses and their chariots surrounding the town. And he went back to Elisha and exclaimed, We're doomed! Sir, what should we do? You see, this servant walked out of his house. He woke up one morning, walked out of his house into his town, and surrounding the town was this massive army. And his first reaction was overwhelmed. Have any of you ever felt just completely overwhelmed by a situation or circumstance you might be facing? Like you're just staring it in the face thinking, what are we going to do? And how did he respond? He responded with this like complete despair. He like threw his hands up in the air and goes, we're doomed, right? Have any of you ever responded like that? No, just me? Okay, thank you. I mean, I've had those moments where I'm like, there's no way, there's no way. Like, we've done everything, but there is no way we're going to make it through this one, right? And that's how Elisha's servant is. He sees the overwhelming odds. And some of us in this room are facing some overwhelming odds. Whether it's in relationships or finances or situations that are outside of your control, and it feels overwhelming. 
And just like Elisha's servant, it would be easy to go, we're doomed. But what does Elisha say? It goes on and it says this, don't be afraid, Elisha answered. We have more on our side than they have on theirs. Now listen, I think the servant was probably going, no, we don't. No, there is an army out there. We have no army. But Elisha saw something that the servant didn't see. He said, we have more on our side than they have on theirs. And I imagine there was some doubt in the servant's heart. But then Elisha prayed, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord answered his prayer. And Elisha's servant looked up and he saw the hillside covered with horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. What is this story saying? It's saying there was something greater at work than what you could see in the natural realm, what you could see in the flesh and blood, in the face-to-face, the situation that felt overwhelming, the circumstances that they were up against that he saw no way out. Elisha was saying, God, open their eyes to see that there are more for you than against you, that God is fighting this battle for you. That you don't have to worry or live in fear because God has a solution to this battle. He's equipped you with strength for it. And so when Elisha's eyes were opened, not Elisha's, but the servant's eyes were opened, he saw there is something greater here than what is against me. And that's what my prayer is for every single person in this room today. In fact, Paul prayed that prayer for the church of Ephesus in the book of Ephesians chapter 1. And he said this, I do not cease to give thanks for you remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowing him. Listen to this part. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? Paul's prayer for the church at Ephesus is, is, is this, Ephesus, is this, Ephesus is the same prayer for you and me today. God, open the eyes of our heart that we might know the hope to which you have called us, the purpose, the plans, the hope, but not just that, the immeasurable power available for those who believe. So listen, we may be facing a battle. But the idea is that we have our eyes open to see that it does not matter what the battle might be, but that we can go, if God is for me, who can be against me? He is, he is what makes me strength. In my weakness, he is strong, right? We need the eyes of God to be able to see through the situation that we might be facing. And I'm telling you this right now, victory in a spiritual battle always starts with prayer. It always starts with going, God, I don't know how to handle this, but I know that you do. And I know you've equipped me with strength for this battle, so give me wisdom to face it well. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but listen, they have divine power to tear down strongholds. Divine power, right? To tear down strongholds. So we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to obey Christ. So what I want to offer you today is some actionable intel. Some actionable intel. Now listen, some of you have served in the military. In fact, we've got some great veterans here with us today. And actionable intel is a military con- concept. And it basically refers to information that's decoded and gathered about the enemy. So it's information that has been decoded and gathered about the enemy, and you use that information to secure victory against the enemy in battle, right? So what I want you to grasp today is that there is a real enemy, and we're going to break down a little bit of truth about who he is so that you have some strategy to use against him in the battle. So you need to know these things and make sure you're writing them down. But what I want to challenge you with this morning is to identify what is the strategy of the enemy in my life right now? What's my biggest struggle right now? If you're taking notes, you can even jot that down. Because if you'll recognize what the struggle is, then God will begin to show you how to fight the real enemy. And we've been given gear to fight with. That's what this whole sermon series is about. 
And we're going to be breaking down what that gear looks like. But I was talking to my good friend Nate, and I'm not, I'm not allowed to bring him up on stage and, and have him talk about all of his service because Pastor Kerry said he's going to do that. So I'm going to just give you a little sneak peek into my good friend Nate's life. He's a, got a bronze star. My husband likes to call him Captain America. He's a veteran who has fought for our freedom. He's been blown up. He's been shot. He's been like through a real intense battle for you and me to experience the freedom that we experience today. But I asked Nate about the gear that he has to put on when he goes into battle. And I said, okay, if you could tell me three purposes for the gear, what would that be? Three purposes. What does it look like? And he said this, number one, the gear that we put on is the difference between life and death in the battle. The gear we put on is the difference between life and death. And then he said, number two, the gear we put on holds the ammunition to use against the enemy. The gear we put on holds the ammunition to use against the enemy. And three, the gear has everything that you need to save your life and the lives of others. So the gear that you put on when you go into a physical battle, it's the game changer, right? The gear you put on to go into a physical battle is the game changer. And just like Nate would never go out into battle without a piece of that gear, you and I have got to begin to have our eyes open to the spiritual gear that is available for you and me because it's the difference between life and death. It is the game changer. And so I'm telling you, if you will put these things to practice in your life, you'll begin to see changes that start to happen because it is the gear that God has given us to fight the battles that we're going to walk through in life. Ephesians 6, 14 through 18 breaks it down for you. It says this, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one, and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayers and supplication. Hey, this is the gear that is presented for us in the word of God to make us ready for battle. Now I'm telling you, I, I thought about having you do this with me, but I knew some of you were gonna stare at me and not participate. So I'm not gonna make you get out of your seat, so you should love me for that. But I'm gonna teach you something right now that I'm hoping that you're either writing down, or if you're on version, I put it in your notes for you. It's like your own cheat sheet. You've got this. Hit save so you can take it home with you. In our house, we put on the armor of God every single day. I make my kids put it on every single day on the way to school. And do you know why I do that? Because my mom made me put on the armor of God every single day when I was growing up, up until the time that I was in high school. And I'm pulling up to my school in blue lightning, our blue minivan, and the door is open and I'm trying to jump out and my mom won't let me get out of the car until I recite the armor of God. And I'm not just talking recited, I'm like motions and everything too, in high school. And I remember feeling so embarrassed, but I'll tell you what, there is not one thing that I remember more learning when I was a kid that has come into practice as an adult. Because I realize now what I did not realize then, that we actually are in a spiritual battle. And there is something that I need to know about the armor of God so I can be equipped with strength to fight the battle. So I'm going to teach you what we do in our house, and you can write this down if you want to, or you can just enjoy the display. So in our house, we do this. We put on the breastplate of righteousness so we can walk in righteousness and make good choices. We put on the belt of truth so we can walk in truth and speak the truth. We put on the shoes of the gospel of peace so we can walk in peace and tell people about Jesus. We put on the helmet of salvation so we can renew our minds and think like Jesus. We take up the shield of faith so we can fight the fiery darts of the enemy and nothing that stands against us shall prosper. And we take up the, and we make the sound, sword of the spirit, the word of God, the Bible, so we can know what it says and do what it says. And this, my friends, we do every single day. You get dressed every single day, don't you? You would not dare go to work without your pants on. I know all of you. You would not show up to church without your shirt on. I know all of you. We get dressed every single day, but some of us have been neglecting to put on our gear to face the battles of life that are coming our way. 
And this is what we want to break down for you in the next few weeks. So I'm telling you, don't miss church for the next few weeks. You're going to want the knowledge that is here so you can apply it to your life. And today, I'm going to talk to you for just the last few minutes about the first piece of armor, which is the belt of truth. Hey, listen. The overarching theme in all of the enemy's attacks towards you and me is deception. And the thing about deception is it's deceptive. Right. The thing about deception is it's deceptive. Often, it's just a tweaked version of the truth. The thing that the enemy wants to do is to get you to doubt that what God says is true. Listen, his main goal is to make you think that God does not mean what he says. In fact, we know this because the first time we ever see the enemy speak in scripture is in Genesis chapter 1. And in Genesis chapter 1, we find Adam and Eve who've been given this entire garden to enjoy. And in the garden, they only have one rule. And the one rule is don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? Well, so the enemy comes in in the form of a snake, and he makes his way up to Eve, and he says this to her. The first word spoken out of the enemy's mouth was this. Did God really say that? Did God really say that? See, one of the greatest tools of the enemy against you and me is to make us doubt the truth of God's word. Priscilla Schreier, a great speaker and author, says it like this. Satan propagates fantasies causing temporal and insignificant things to somehow appear immensely valuable and favorable. He hides consequences in the fine print while highlighting only the parts that appeal to our short-sighted, self-gratifying flesh. His package is so clever that unless we know what is true, and I mean really know it, know it at our core, we easily fall prey to his ploys. Listen, guys, we actually live in a society that doesn't generally take a firm stance on truth. The culture we live in today doesn't generally take a firm stance on truth. And in fact, even in the church, the church doesn't always take a firm stance on truth. And a lot of Christians are walking around without a strong core of their belief system. A lot of us as Christians have a hard time framing our decisions around the truth of God's word. We struggle with having stable convictions. A lot of us as Christ followers cater to our feelings rather than the truth of God's word. We buckle under pressure rather than standing and persevering. And I want to tell you that when we allow truth to become our starting place, everything else falls into place. Let me say that again. When we allow truth to become our starting place, everything else falls into place. So that is why the first piece of armor is the belt of truth. The belt of truth. We strap on the belt of truth daily, systematically, repeatedly, and we let God align my decisions, responses, attitudes, and ambitions with his truth. This is what we've got to learn how to do. You see, the belt of truth, when Paul wrote this, in the, in the time frame he wrote this in, he, he chose the armor because of the armor that the Roman soldiers used to wear. And the belt that the Roman soldiers used to wear was huge. It's not like the belt that I have on today, this skinny belt that really doesn't do anything for me, right? It's just kind of fashion sense, right? He wrote this because the armor that the soldiers would put on, they had this huge belt. In fact, the belt is what distinguished them as a soldier in this army. And this belt held everything together. It strengthened the core of the soldier to hold the weight of all of the other armor. Everything rested upon the belt. Listen, every ounce of who we are as a Christ follower in the battles that we face rests upon the belt of truth. It holds everything together. So we've got to learn how to put it on and apply it to our life. When the soldiers would put on this belt, it actually stabilized their core. Because oftentimes the armor they would wear was like up to 66 pounds of armor that they're running in and fighting in. And the belt would stabilize their core and it would hold all of the other pieces of armor. It also held the tunics. The Roman soldiers would wear tunics and they would tuck it into the belt so that when they were running, they wouldn't 
might get tripped up and fall down. And the belt of truth does the same thing for you and me, so that when we're running at the promises of God, we don't have anything in the way to trip us up and make us fall down, right? It helps stabilize our core, because the core is foundational to moving forward in the things that God has for us. In fact, if you've ever taken yoga or Pilates, anybody in this room ever done yoga or Pilates? Okay. I was convicted in writing this message, I need to do this, because... The core is so important for each and every one of us in actually this life that we've been given to live, the strength of our core. And if the belt of truth spiritually represents the strength of our spiritual core, we need to understand what that means. And I want to give you a little picture here in these last couple minutes so that you can evaluate how strong is my core. Because a strong core actually will contribute to good posture. So the signs of a weak core would be poor posture, right? The signs of a weak core would be poor posture. This is the thing. When your core is strong, no matter what kind of weight you bear, you can stand tall and stand strong with your shoulders back and your head up. But when your core is weak, you can't support that kind of weight. And you often see this in the physical world with people whose shoulders are slumped down and their heads are kind of bent over because the core has not been strong. So it hasn't been able to support the weight that they are carrying, right? So a strong core will help you stand tall and support the weight that has been placed upon you, right? So I think a question we could ask ourselves is, how is my spiritual posture? Am I caving under the pressures of life? Am I falling apart because I can't carry the weight of the pressures of life? How is my spiritual core? Another thing that a strong core does is it makes you be less prone to injury. So a weak core contributes to being injury prone, right? Because your core muscles actually hold the spine in place. And when the core is weak, your backbone can move around easily and it makes you susceptible to injury, right? That's why we've got to, if you're, if you're any kind of an athlete, you've got to work on having a strong core. Because in the, in the uh, games that you're in or things you're participating in, if your core is not strong, then you're more susceptible to injury and to hits and to things that are going to take you out of the game. And I want to just encourage you spiritually, if you have a weak core, you're going to be more injury prone, which means maybe some of you are overly sensitive to criticism, easily wounded by the words and actions of others. Signs of a weak core might be holding on to offense, bitterness, or unforgiveness. Why? Because when my core is not strong, I'm prone to injury. Might tend to be more of a drama queen. Something's always wrong. Somebody's always hurt me. I've always got somebody to blame. Instead of choosing forgiveness, and instead of choosing grace, we allow the enemy to plant seeds of bitterness. Now, what I'm not saying is that maybe you're not walking through a circumstance that has wounded you or hurt you. What I'm not saying is that it's acceptable for someone to do something to you that causes pain. But what I am saying is that the signs of a strong core, even when that attack comes, or even when that situation comes up against you, the signs of a strong core, which is built upon the belt of truth, the truth of God's word, means that no matter what has been said or what has been done, I can... Walk in forgiveness because of the strength of God that is inside of me. I can walk in peace because I know that God is on my side. It's choosing forgiveness and love over anger and bitterness. So how's your core today? Another sign of a, of a weak core would be body fatigue. You see, when the core isn't well supported, it's unable to supply the level of strength you need for body movements. And when your core is supported by the truth and the promises of God, listen to me, if, you're, if you are basing your life upon the truth and the promises of God, it will give you the courage to face any situation you walk through, anything God calls you to do. But our problem is when we choose how we feel over the truth, our core becomes weak. And maybe you're here today and you identify with that. And you feel like even today, whether it's in your home or 
your family or your ministry or hobbies. Maybe you just feel tired, drained. Maybe you're battling with insecurity, feeling completely unfulfilled in life. Maybe you're just constantly struggling with fear or self-consciousness. Listen, if we can align our lives with the truth of God's word, it shifts things. It produces an energy and a strength in our relationships, in our families, at our home, in our workplace, in the people we do life with. When the strength of our core is based upon the truth of God's word, all of a sudden we're energized again. Listen, there's hope. If you identify with any of these areas of a weak core, the great news is there's exercises you can do to get your core strong. Just as much as there's physical exercises that you can do to produce a strong core, there are spiritual exercises that you can put into play to get your core strong because God's desire for you is that your core be strong so that you can walk uprightly for long periods of time, no matter what you might be facing, so that you can stay strong when you're under pressure or strain, so that you can absorb criticism without the offense, so that you can feel confident in convictions, so that you can be spiritually rejuvenated, refreshed, girded with power and strength. That's the desire of God for you and me is that we have a strong core. And there's exercises you can do to get there. You have to begin to know what is truth. And truth has to be founded upon the word of God. You know, we live in this day and age, and this isn't even in my notes, but we live in this day and age where it's like, we want to choose what is truth. And we, we make truth relative to how we feel. But that doesn't work. Contributes to a weak core. So truth has to be founded upon the word of God. So if you don't know what the word of God says about the situations that you're walking through or the things that you're facing, it's time to learn. And you don't get to just pick and choose the parts of God's Bible Parts of the word that you go, I like that part, but I don't like that part, right? No, it's the whole thing. It's the whole thing. And I think sometimes we like the take it or leave it part of the scripture. We love it when the pastors get up and they talk about, you know, don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't do these things that are, could be bad for me. But man, we start talking about some other things that challenge the core and might require me to make changes. And it's like... I don't know if I like that, but the truth of God's word, it doesn't change. It doesn't change. It was the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when we will allow the truth of God's word to become the foundation of the armor that we put on, I'm telling you, no matter what battle you face, no matter what circumstance you're walking through, there is an answer. And God's word can speak promises and hope and strength and peace into any environment that you might be facing. But you've got to learn how to cling to the truth of God's word. The truth of God's word. This is how we've got to begin to evaluate life. You know, as we close, I, I love to travel. And I love getting on an airplane, going someplace new. But the thing I hate most about traveling is the lines of security. I hate it. And if they're a short line, I'm usually really happy. If it's a long line, I'm really frustrated. And so I've had to kind of train myself for some things I can do when I go and get in those lines. So I decided that my mission was going to be to make friends with the TSA agents. That's hard to do. I'm just saying. They don't like people very much. And I just decided this is going to be my, this is my challenge, right? I'm going to get them talking and make friends with the TSA agents. But listen, they don't care about making friends with me because they have one job and one job only. Their job is to take my ID and to shine this little light on it to see if there's any form of deception in my ID. And they don't count on their five senses to help them figure that out. They don't look at culture, creed, race, age. They don't look at any of that when people walk up to their station. They take the ID and they shine this little light on it. And that light reveals whether or not there's any deception in that ID. And I'm just saying that some of us need to learn to allow the light of God's word to shine upon our thoughts and our motivations and our convictions and begin to reveal if there's any form of deception where the enemy has been leading us astray. 
because there's a real enemy and we're in a real battle, you guys. And if we want to tackle it with the truth of God's word, we've got to allow God to shine light on any area of our life that might not be in line with his word. It might not be in line with his word. You know, the Bible says that whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And it says this, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. But what this doesn't mean is that it's just an accumulation of knowledge. So I can read the Bible and have all this knowledge of the truth. But in Romans 121, we find this group of people and it says they knew God, but they did not honor him. They knew God, but they did not honor him. Freedom comes when we know and we unapologetically follow the truth. That is what disarms the enemy's influence and impact in our lives. So I want to ask you today. Where do you need to realign your life with the truth of God's word? In what areas might you be struggling with a weak core? Is there an area of your life where you need to go, you know what? I need to find out what the word of God says about that so that I can line my life up to it. See, I think if we're honest, every single one of us in this room can identify what it is to be in a battle. And I think every single one of us in this room could identify areas of our life where we need to get a stronger core and where we need to allow the truth of God's word to change our circumstances. So I want to pray for us today because here's the deal. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. Prayer alerts the enemy that we are aware of his strategies. When we begin to pray to God, it alerts the enemy that we are aware of his strategies and we're not going to stand for it anymore. And prayer activates the armor of God in our life. And so I'm telling you, if you haven't learned how to pray, this is where you start. And you start talking to God and rehearsing your trust in him because he is for you and not against you. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. This battle that you're facing right now, these things that you might be walking through in relationships, they're not the real enemy. The real enemy is the devil. And so when we begin to realize that, we begin to say, no longer am I going to fall a victim of a hopelessness, of brokenness. I'm going to stand in the strength of God's word knowing that he is for me and I'm going to get through this to the other side right? And so some of us have just got to begin to buckle on that belt of truth and let it bring some stability to our core. And I want to pray for you today before we go. So I'm going to ask everyone in this room just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you're here today and you could use just a little extra strength in your core, would you just raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for? There's hands all over the room. All right. Lord Jesus, I come before you right now and I thank you for every person who's here. God, I know it's not by accident that any of us showed up this morning. God, I thank you, Lord, that your word declares that you are for us and not against us. God, I thank you that your word declares that greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. God, I know that every person in this room has a different story. And God, you know exactly what it is. God, you know the struggle that they're walking through. God, you know those that are in the room that are battling through doubt and fear. You know those that are here that feel like they're on the edge of giving up and throwing in the towel. You know those that are struggling in relationships. God, you know those who are struggling with hopelessness. And God, today in the name of Jesus, I ask that your truth would illuminate the darkness. And God, in Jesus' name, that you would bring strength to those who are hurting. God, that for those who need to know the promises that you have for them of good things, of a hope and a future, that they would be reminded this morning that you've got them, that you're going to see them through this thing that they're facing. God, would you strengthen their faith to believe? And God, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus, if there's any area in our lives, God, that you need us to deal with, to illuminate truth in. Any area where the enemy has been able to deceive us and get us just a little bit off course, God, in the name of Jesus, would you realign things today? Would you bring just the soft, sweet, convicting power of your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts so we can know what we need to change? And I thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. God, your word declares that in you there is no condemnation. So I come against any voice of shame or regret in the name of Jesus, and I pray for this room to be filled with hope and strength and peace today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 And we don't ever leave a service at the Movement Church without talking to somebody in this room 
who might be here struggling with all of this. We don't ever leave a service because, listen, the thing I know is that God in heaven who created you has good plans for you, plans for hope and a future. God's got good plans for you. But I know there are people in this room today that may be wrestling with doubt, who maybe you've just been not sure where you stand in your faith. And maybe if you were honest, you would just say, I feel like there's a separation between me and God. And I can understand that. You know, the Bible talks about that separation between us and God, and it, it calls it sin, the sin gap. It's like, I just, I want a relationship with God, but I just don't know. And the Bible tells us very clearly that sin separates us from God. And it says the punishment of sin is death and eternity and hell, which sounds bleak and like there's no hope. But we serve a God who is full of hope. And he presented a solution, and he sent his son Jesus to walk through life sinless as a man and to give his life on a cross to pay the price and the sacrifice for your sin and for mine. He just said, I'm going to pay the price because I want to remove the gap so that I can have relationship with my people. And maybe you're here today, and you've never started a relationship with God. And can I just challenge you? Could you let today be the day? Where you just go, I'm going to stop trying to do it on my own, and God, I'm going to give you a chance. The Bible says Jesus stands at the door and knocks. And anyone who would open the door, he's willing to come in. You don't have to get things right. You don't have to get your life in order. You just start somewhere. So maybe you're here today, and you've never made a decision to surrender your life to Christ. Or maybe you're here, and you've just been running from God, trying to do your own thing. Today's the day to come back. So don't leave today without making a decision. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes just one last time. And I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you're here today and you need to make that decision to surrender your life to Christ, would you just pray with me in your own heart? You don't have to say anything out loud. You don't have to get out of your seat. But in your own heart between you and God, would you just pray this prayer? Dear God, I know that you're real. I know that I've sinned. I know I've tried to do things on my own, and I'm tired of it. I thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to pay the price for my sin. Today, I ask you to forgive me. I want to start new. And all around this room, if that's you, and this is your prayer, in your own heart between you and God, just make these words the cry of your heart. Jesus, I give you my life. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Please email us at info at theocmovement.com. And if you were not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Please send us an email at info at theocmovement.com. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.